0: Hello and welcome to FemPower You, the podcast series where we discuss topics to help empower women personally, professionally, and financially. I'm your host Sibongile Ngako, and today I am so excited to be joined by our special guest Maggie Periton. Welcome, Maggie.
1: How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm good. How
0: are you? Glad you're here. Um, But let me tell the folks who are listening a bit about you first. Um, As an international business and leadership coach, Maggie Perriton gives service based entrepreneurs clarity and tools to exceed their business goals and become high performing CEOs of their business. Maggie is a host of the Diamond Effect podcast and she lives in the Toronto area of Canada with her blended family. She loves spending time in nature, traveling, reading, dancing, love that too, and good food, definitely love that. <laughs> thank <laughs> you so much for being on the show, Maggie. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm really happy to be here. Absolutely. Um, so let's dive in. Based on your experience, <laughs> what do you think stops most women from truly creating the life that they love? I think
1: there's a couple of things that I think as women, we sort of, no matter our background and where we come from, struggle. Um, One thing is wanting to be 100 percent ready before we jump into an opportunity. And I've seen that, you know, in myself, but also in women that maybe I led in my corporate world or that I know that even when we wanna change position or we wanna do something like we always, we wanna to strive to, I have to be ready 100%. And of course that stops us down because we can not be ready ahead of time, right? Nobody gets mastery in anything by reading books or getting themselves ready. You get mastery in anything by actually doing it, right? So jumping in, preparing what you can, but then just taking a leap of faith and doing and you know, mastering this way and failing a little bit along the line and so on. So that's definitely the one thing. And then the second thing is, you know, very often as mothers and nurturers and so on, most often than not, we put ourselves last on the list of priorities, or we're not even on the list, and that definitely was me many years ago where I wasn't even on the list, I felt like you know taking care of myself or like even pursuing my goals was very selfish. I was supposed to provide for the family, do this. And, and a lot of those thoughts, let's just say, were even my ideas, right? It wasn't an, even an expectation of my husband or, or whatever, right? But we put that pressure on ourselves whether it's because we learn this way, you know, this is what we kind of experience in our life. And that actually doesn't serve anybody. Where <laughs> We are not putting our needs even equally to everybody else's that we take care of. So I would say those are the biggest it, things. I
0: couldn't agree more, Maggie. And those are things that, you know, I have wrestled with um, in my life, my mm-hmm. career, and in my personal life as well. Um, it's interesting because mm-hmm. you have this analogy of you know when we're on the airplane, the flight attendants yes. say you have to put on your own mask first, ladies, yes. before you can help your you know fill in the blank your child, your significant other, your your elderly parent, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. yet, and I've I've spoken about this before and, and posted about it because we are as women are such caregivers, mm-hmm. are such nurturers. Um, we effectively always put ourselves last. We think, you know, self-care is being selfish. Um, yes. And I think something that's, you know, has really emerged um, in, in recent years is giving ourselves permission to yeah. take care of ourselves and seeing self-care as an act of love, not only for yourself, but mm-hmm. for the people around you. Because yeah. when you're in, in, you know, when you have wellness, from a physical, from a mental, from a spiritual, from a mm-hmm. place, um, you are better equipped to take care of other people. Yes,
1: right? yes, wow. yes, hundred percent. And that's even now. This is what I teach my clients as business owners because what I tell them, and you know, what I came to realize sometimes hard, the hard way, is that you cannot perform at your highest level of potential, meaning come with the innovative ideas, with the solutions, help your clients in the best way. If you don't operate at the higher level and the only way you can do it is when you're rested, well-nourished, when you're mentally and spiritually feel fulfilled, that's how you can be the most productive, the most innovative and so on, right? So even if you think from that perspective, it's, and then you feel better. <laughs> you're so much happier. And when you're happy, you inspire those around you to be happy. Um, yeah, that's you know, self-love and love to others when actually when we take care of ourselves, we
0: express that. And you raise an excellent point as well, because so many times we think because we're functioning, well, like we don't make the distinction between functioning and high functioning. So right. like we're functioning, right. we're living our day-to-day, but we're really just kind of, you know, nothing mm-hmm. along. <laughs> no, we're, not, we're not necessarily <laughs> high-functioning. And I think, again, yes. making that distinction uh, is huge because we need yes. to know when we're, you know, living to our highest potential, you know, mm-hmm. living as the best version of ourselves versus mm-hmm. just kind of struggling along and, you know, mm-hmm. barely surviving. We wanna thrive and, and uh, not just survive.
1: Yeah, because really, when you think about that, we are not helping anybody. We're not helping ourselves by surviving just because we're tired, we're unhappy. Like the negative mind, it's at its best when we're surviving. And the way, you know, I really believe that we're all leaders and the way we lead is by leading ourselves. And then there is other people around us that always watch, right, our kids, our nephews, nieces, whatever, right? We don't have to be mothers necessarily, um, to watch around us. So when we, when they look at us unhappy, tired, unfulfilled, what message does it send, right? As opposed to when we are taking ourselves, when we're happy, fulfilled, we have more energy to help them. We, we feel good about our life that even that we don't need to say anything. And it's a, such a powerful message to, to, to send to the loved ones that are around you.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. leading by example and and setting that example and being that model. Um, And then on your first point, I've read so many articles, so many social media posts about how men and women think about being ready for a job or ready for an competition yeah. differently. Yes. It's true, women tend to think in terms of, am I 100% qualified for every aspect of this job? Can I yeah. do it in my sleep? And I'll tell you, I literally, um, in one of my uh, you know employers uh, in, in my decades of working, um, had a VP come and talk to our team, the team I was on at the mm-hmm. time, And um, he literally, he was talking about how he went about getting the job that he was currently in. And he actually said that when he went into the interview, he told the interviewer that what he knew about this particular topic, you could fit on the back of a postage stamp. So he went into the interview, openly acknowledged that he knew very little about this particular topic and got the job he ultimately yeah. got the job and so yeah, that yeah. is an extreme example but nonetheless an example of how differently men often think about mm-hmm. their preparedness or their readiness huh. when the big opportunity comes or or you know when yeah, when, yeah. when a, a job comes along
1: yeah and it's very true and it's confirmed by the like even this example i'm thinking i would have never done
0: this yes, like right.
1: even now i would be like oh sure if I would do it, but I remember even from my own experience, you know, growing in a corporate world, there were positions when I was maybe like considering and so on. And I would read the job description. I was like, well, you know, I don't have this and I don't have that. And sometimes I would talk myself out of applying just because there was a couple of things <laughs> that I didn't feel like I could, you know, live up to the expectations set in the, in the job description. That's so, right. it's very even true. When
0: we get the jobs, it actually carries over into how we operate and mm-hmm. how we review mm-hmm. ourselves. I actually read a really interesting yes. article recently um, about the performance review process in a lot of companies and how women often disadvantage themselves based on how they talk about how they've yes. done in a job. So even once yes. we get into the role, we tend mm-hmm. to be more self critical. Um, more um, mm-hmm. self-deprecating, more, um, yeah. you know, understated about our accomplishments, whereas mm-hmm. our male counterparts, you know, do not do that at large. And it, it, it mm-hmm. translates into, you know, fewer promotions, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. smaller increases, fewer opportunities, yeah. um, and, and really can impact us yeah. um, financially as well as mm-hmm. uh, spiritually and emotionally. It can be really demoralizing. Yes.
1: Yeah, and yet we we can really thrive. Like you know, back in my corporate career, I actually had under me a couple of female managers, and and sometimes that was our conversations when they would come to me and like, wow, I'm not sure, am I doing it right, and so on. And for me to bring them up and say, you're doing amazing, and just giving them that belief and holding space that they can, and they would always exceed my expectations. They would come up with the ideas where I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I would have never thought about it. So sometimes you know, if you're a leader and you're listening and you have women underneath you, just give them a little bit of space and support them and, and believe for them sometimes because with that, they will give you ton of value more than you expect and contribute to the team and the growth of your business.
0: Absolutely. I often believe that it's incumbent upon us as whether it's women, you know, entrepreneurs, women leaders, Mm -hmm. to really Mm -hmm. help facilitate the next level of leaders and to encourage and to pave the way and to ease the path. You know, I've had, frankly, women leaders who have seemingly set up, you know, more hurdles, (laughs) You know, so like they've, they've, like they've raised the bar instead of, you know, leaving it where it is in the very least. I really think it's incumbent upon us to have that lens of advocacy and sponsorship mm-hmm. and allyship mm-hmm. for everyone, but particularly for underrepresented groups, certainly women. Yep. Um, and uh, ease, ease the way, much in the same mm-hmm. way that the, mm-hmm. the path has been eased for other groups historically. It's um, yeah. just so important. Yes, Um, agreed, a hundred percent. So, you know, turning the the topic a little bit, let's talk about personal and professional growth, right? So Mm -hmm. for women in particular, what, who who wanna create those habits that support personal growth, that support professional growth, Mm -hmm. what advice do you have for those women?
1: So first I would say be clear or where you want to grow, right? Like where you want to be. If you think about your business or your career in the next couple of years, where do you want to go? Because very often we kind of know what we don't want, but we're not necessarily clear where we want to go. And it doesn't need to be like, oh, 10 years from now, but like even short term. And then think about, okay, if I was already there, what would be my strengths and maybe where is the thing when I don't feel fully confident and so on? and what can I do to grow, right? I call it like strategic self-development. So I'm not just reading books and going to uh, training, some things that I've think I will need, but I'm not sure. Or maybe I learned something that I might need in 10 years and by then it will be obsolete because, you know, things are changing so fast, right? So the resources that we have, whether it's time or money, are limited. So how can I use those resources to the best of my ability, right? So let's say maybe I'm starting a business and I'm not that strong in marketing and sales. Okay. Well, if I start a business, I need to understand marketing and sales because that's how I will get clients, right? So maybe that's the thing I want to invest in and self-develop in whatever way works for you, right? Or if I have a career and now I'm moving into more of a senior leadership role and so on, maybe I'm not as confident in public speaking and presenting in front of you know, executives and so on. Maybe that's the thing that I'm gonna start investing because it will help me right now anyways in whatever I'm doing now and prepare me and probably fast forward my next move, right? So that's definitely the first thing. Think about strategic self-development and how you can grow. And also like have that growth mindset that we don't need to know it all, everything right away. But it's good to recognize where we can grow and, you know, growth, keep growing. The more you grow as yourself, like as a human,
0: right, the more your business will grow, the faster your career will move and so on. The of strategic self-development, because so it's mm-hmm. funny, I was looking at a post the other day and the speaker in it was saying, you know, as women, We should not be reading any more books because oftentimes, you know, you go to folks for advice, or you go to a seminar or something like that, and they tell you the book to read. And that's not to knock books. There are a lot of great ones out there that that speak to how to navigate, you know, um, entrepreneurial ventures or corporate ventures. But at the same time, I love this idea of really honing in. On mm-hmm. the immediate net, you know, where you want to be long-term and then mm-hmm. what are the steps it takes to, to get there and looking mm-hmm. at the immediate next step to say for this immediate next step, what is the thing I need, right? And it's probably yeah. not another book. It's probably more targeted and more focused and you know, examples yes. that you shared.
1: Yeah, and the great thing that you were talking about it because yeah, the next point is as you learn, you actually need to go out there and <laughs> implement, right? And that's I think like a lot of people. I think maybe through the school system, we develop this bias of. Knowledge means safety and it means results because, you know, we read a book, we wrote a test, we got a grade, good to go, next book. Right? Whereas in the real world to actually, again, acquire the skills and get good at anything, we need to practice, mm-hmm. right? We can read 10 books about skating but if we don't get on ice and bumble a little bit and maybe fall and get up and keep going we'll never learn how to skate right theory and practice are two different things it's good to have a theory because it it felt strategically prepares us right to trying and succeeding and not trying to go like totally in the weeds not knowing what we're doing right but at the same time implement what you learn and also prepare that you're not gonna be the Olympic athlete just from the first try, right? That is gonna take training and implementation and maybe some failure down the line and readjustment to get to the Olympic athlete level.
0: That's right. Um, you know, it's it's funny, I hear myself a lot in what you're saying because like I, in my life, have had have had to eradicate this idea that going to a coach or going, you know, to take another course or going to another seminar or going to get another degree, you know, is the answer. Um, obviously, yes. that's a starting point in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. but it's almost as if my default has been, oh, I'm going to go to a coach. or oh, I'm going to go learn this or oh, I'm going to read this book. <laughs> whatever right. the case is. And I think, you know, I've always been a good student. And so that is my, yes. you know, and my yes. safety and the area that I was rewarded for. Um, even you know, growing mm-hmm. up, like I was rewarded mm-hmm. for uh, obedience and being a good student, and you know, towing the yes. line, and you know, being a good girl, as as many women mm-hmm. are, and and you know, this yep. re- reinforced in the societal norms um, that are out mm-hmm. there for for women and the gender yes. norms that are out there for women in particular. Um, and it's so important to be aware of those so that we mm-hmm. can. Um, shed ourselves of that, of of those defaults and really start committing to intentional choices and strategic choices that will actually move us forward.
1: Yeah. And you're right. Like I think majority of women, maybe I'm, you know, I don't know the statistics on it, but I still feel it feels (laughs) true, you know, that we all, we like to be good students, right? And we want to do things right. And also, I think like, again, through the school system, and sometimes in the corporate world that like, uh, not willingness to make mistakes, and that mistakes is something wrong. And if we do it, we get a bad grade, or, you know, we all we can lose the job is such a detriment to us, because only through learning and practice, and inevitably, through failing a little bit along the line, that's how we get good, right? So that's something even for me, when I was moving from you know the corporate to entrepreneurial, that's a mindset shift that I had to work on and think it's like, no, 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 it's okay. I don't have to be 100% perfect. <laughs> I can, you know, do the best I can. And if whatever doesn't work, it doesn't mean anything about me. It just means I just need to think what I can tweak. And, you know, again, adjust my theory and just get better at implementing it.
0: No, that's exactly right. Um, And that's actually a good segue to our next um, question, which is for those women that are in corporate leadership positions and are trying to segue um, transition into entrepreneurship, what are the most important considerations? What are the things that were top of mind for you when, when you did that?
1: So there was um, a few. The, the first thing I would say is, and you know, as women, I think we are careful and so on, but like, let's say in not particular order, one of the things is to consider the network that you have, is that a network that could potentially lead you to meeting people that would be, you know, potential clients for your business. If that's not the case, which was for me, right? I'm an immigrant to Canada. I moved when I was past university and so on. So let's say my friends and childhood friends in university, everybody is back in Europe. And when I was working in a corporate world, I never networked that much. Mm -hmm. I would just do my job come back home to my family and be happy, right? So by the time when I started my business and I started on the side, I realized I don't have any network. Like I don't have anybody to ask, hey, I'm starting this business. Do you know somebody who could benefit? So I realized that and the good thing is that I did start on, on the side, that it's not like I quit and now I don't have any plan and I don't have anything, right? And I, st- I had to start building my network from scratch. Now, it's totally possible, I've done it, but like that consideration, right? Don't necessarily quit because you're upset with your job, without a plan, without financial support and so on. Think it through, be strategic. But the network is one thing, right? Either think about who you have already, who could potentially help you connect with other people and so on. Doesn't mean that those people will become your clients, but make connections, or if not, Start building it. The sooner you do it, the better, right? The second part is definitely the financial part, right? So, how can you either, many people do it, the business on the side, right? And then with that comes some productivity habits and really utilizing your time well and maybe making some sacrifices short-term to be able to do that, right? So there's a consideration of that, but it allows for a little bit of more financial stability. You have a paycheck coming in. In the meantime, you're building the business, gaining the momentum and so on. If that's not an option for whatever reason or you don't want to do it, then make sure you have finances to pay the bills, I would say for at least a year. Okay, six months minimum, it really depends on the business or what you're doing, where you are, the network, but ideally a year, just because you do not wanna be building your business from that scarcity and lack. And it's like, oh my God, I have to find clients because I don't have bills to pay because that is usually the opposite. Like that has, that energy has opposite effect. People feel, you know, more, a cautious one because in a way, our clients don't buy because we have a need. They buy because they have a need and we can fill it, right? And they don't necessarily care about whether we need to pay the bills or not. So that's the second part. Think through the financial support, right, while you're building it. Is it possible completely? I've done it and many people do it. I have clients who've done it, but there is, you know, there is a little bit of thought. And then the third part is, a little there are some mindset changes that won't need to happen now. Some of the corporate mindset helps, actually, if you can translate it to it. If you have thinking about the structure, okay, I'm working every day, I'm showing up to work whatever you're working and so on. If you bring that mindset into entrepreneurship and saying, hey, this is my thing. It's gonna bring my, uh, it's gonna bring income and I wanna make it my main source of income, then I need to have the same discipline, right? Some people sometimes think like, oh, I'm gonna have a business.
0: I won't have to work at all. I'm just gonna put an hour a day, (laughs) which is grow. Entrepreneurs say you actually work harder when 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 you have your own venture then for a company it could be on you it could be especially in the beginning
1: i would say definitely in the beginning to to move the locomotive right you need a lot of fuel in it once the locomotive is moving then to maintain it, it's much less. And you can, you know, once you have the resources in terms of generating income and so on, there's a lot of things you can put in place, whether it's automation, some systems, you can hire people to actually create a business where you work less than in your corporate job, right? Because it truly depends on what you want to do. You don't need to, you know, I teach my clients not to overwhelm themselves and not to be busy more than they would in any job, because what's the point? But in the beginning, that short-term sacrifice has to be there, right? So, so that mindset, but also, you know, when we're in corporate and that paycheck is coming, sometimes we fall into that perception that we get paid for the amount of time we spend, right? At work, we're like, Oh, I'm paid to do my eight hours, it doesn't matter what I do, right? I'm just gonna go. I'm just going to, you know, this is in entrepreneurship, I think in the corporate world too, it will change, but in entrepreneurship, we don't get paid by the amount of time we work. We paid by the value we deliver out there in the market, by the value we deliver to our clients. Yeah. If we can figure out how to deliver tons of value in five hours, we can pay, get paid the same amount of money as somebody else who's working 15, delivering same amount of value, right? So that's a big shift that, you know, the mindset needs to happen. And then another thing is in terms of that, like having certain structure for the day, right? Like creating that for yourself and sticking with it, right? And creating some good habits and so on. So I would say, you know, there is more to that, but like the main main considerations would be that.
0: Yeah, so much good information there. Um, just to hone in on the financial in particular, mm-hmm. I've yeah. often said, and this is also having done it myself where I just kind of leave my job and then <laughs> figure it out. I've often said that, you know, we're better served by keeping our day jobs for as long as possible, mm-hmm. almost to the mm-hmm. point where you're, you know, sacrificing income on your side hustle or on your entrepreneurial yes. venture. Um, And it's just the the two cannot continue to coexist because there are so many. I mean, there's the money aspect, but then there are, in some cases, health benefits. There are other financial benefits that, that, you know, early on I didn't consider when I was in my 20s and 30s when I said, oh, I'm going to leave this job and, you know, go teach music go become a singer um, as as the case was at that time. And so it's so important to think through those financial aspects, um, you know, extend that day job for as long as you can but if you're not mm-hmm. able to or don't have that six to twelve months um that will cover you uh yeah. really for, for the sake of your own stress i mean I, to me yeah. most of all as well as for the business um and the comfort of your family and, and yourself um and then going back to your first point on networking what I came to realize pretty recently is that like I have a network and, and a really extensive one, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't using it. So it was almost like there was this hidden gem of, you know, mm-hmm. network from the schools I attended of professional network from the places mm-hmm. I worked of, you know, other kinds of networks for just people, um, I crossed paths mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. was there. Um, but I really hadn't tapped into. And so I think yeah. it's the combination for women in particular is to develop that network, build that network in a proactive way. So don't, you know, don't wait yes. to reach out to somebody, you know, mm-hmm. for when you need them, you should have built that relationship before you even need to, to call them for something. Yeah. But, you know, develop that network, be proactive and, you know, really be thoughtful about, whether you have a network that you just have not tapped into and, and and just need to nurture and maintain and invest in invest the time in to develop
1: yeah and that's a that's a good thing that I forgot. To say it's like one of those shifts It's also starting to think as a CEO of your business, not just employee, right? Because when we work in a, in a corporate environment, we, we do think as an employee to some extent, you know, we might like if we're in a managerial position, then we have a team and it's a little bit different. And unless you're managing like a product line where you're responsible for the budget, that already gives you a little bit of that. A mindset, but if you don't and you start your business thinking as a CEO in terms of growing the business, investing in the business and not taking, like thinking, for example, in the income, oh, it's everything I can just spend on my personal things, right? Just like our paycheck. Oh, yeah, I can just spend whatever. It keeps coming. That's not how business works, right? There is a portion you need to reinvest and reinvest strategically. The good thing about it is that with your business, there's no limits how much you can make right. and how the lifestyle you can create, right? Or um, whereas corporate world, it's much harder, But but that's another important shift. I would say.
0: Um, so I guess to tie it all together, whether it's, you know, being an entrepreneur or working in a corporate job mm-hmm. or some other kind of um, job, what advice do you have to achieving on achieving work-life balance, particularly when it's, you know, you're, you're an entrepreneur and you're investing so much mm-hmm. of your time and yourself into something, or even again, when you're working a demanding corporate job and you're investing so mm-hmm. much of your time and split between, you know, work Life, mm-hmm. children, family—you know, w- whatever the case may be, other o- obligations. What what advice do you have on achieving work-life balance?
1: I would say the first thing is being clear what's important to you, mm-hmm. and like in the entirety of life, right? Not just in the in the professional space, but also personal space and so on. And then setting boundaries for you know there will be certain, and that's I learned it hard way that without boundaries or without certain like this is, I can't cross this boundary. Okay. This boundary I can flex, but this boundary I can't. We allow ourselves to like, just whether it's a corporate job or something else, just to push, push, push. It's kind of like, you know, when we have little kids and we give them a little bit and they keep trying, like, how far can I go? <laughs> it's like mommy will allow me for this, can she give me this and so on? Right. And life has this tendency. If we don't have boundaries, um, you know, there there's always more work to do in our job than we can process in a day. There's always something, and it's the same in our business. There's always more we can do, right? Without those boundaries, we can find ourselves going too far. The next thing is. Is to one being clear on what are the short-term priorities and long-term priorities, and really focused in our actions in the time that we decided to work, let's say in our business or in the time that we have for our corporate job, to move those priorities forward. Not to waste a lot, a lot of time scrolling on Facebook, water cooler conversations, procrastinating, or whatever, however, you know, we all have those things. But really planning ahead, knowing what to focus. So then we maximize the time we work and then we accomplish it so much easier to switch off. And then the last thing I would say, self-care. Truly, yes. when we spend a little bit of time every day grounding ourselves, being calm, and you know whether it's through a bit of exercise, breathing, meditation, prayer, reading, however it works for us, when we can set our day for success and then be able to ground ourselves and take everything that comes to us calmer with a logical brain, it reduces stress so much and it allows us to
0: really, it sets us up really for success. Absolutely. You heard it here. Priorities, boundaries, self-care, aligning with your values, aligning with what's important. Mm -hmm. That's to me the key of um, Mm -hmm. work-life balance, maintaining it um, throughout your life. And knowing that it's a process, right? There there are times when... I've kind of float away from, (laughs) you know, what grounds me, self-care, and then I have to bring myself back in. So knowing that it's not necessarily something that we, you know, strive for and achieve and that's it. It's really an ongoing process and something that for me, at least, I've always had to, you know, constantly reinforce, reiterate, remind myself of the importance Mm -hmm. of. Um, and so if if you find that out there, that's fine too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I a hundred percent agree with you. And if you don't have any of that, start small. I remember, you know, when I started the way my day looks now to what it looked when I started, it's night and day because I started with what I could do. Right. And as you say, it's a process and it's normal. Like life will get it's pulls on us and sometimes we'll get swayed that way but then when we're aware when we have those boundaries there will be time as you say when you're like realize oh wait a minute i'm going too far right bring myself back and it, just being aware it's enough and i and just yeah accepting that it's a process it never ends uh we can't become complacent <laughs> because it's just like kind of like our closet it just gets no matter how much spring cleaning you do a couple of years later it's just filled with stuff (laughs) you're like where did all that come from (laughs) so it's the same on our routines and our thing we just need to be aware of it and be gracious for ourselves and have that self-love and compassion saying hey that's not a problem can always bring back and continue on on my journey
0: that's right amazing well thank you maggie Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if our listeners out there want to get in touch with you, um, how, how best should they do that?
1: Uh, the best way is through my website, stairwaytoleadership.com. It's one word, stairwaytoleadership.com. Or as you mentioned um, in the beginning, I have a podcast, Diamond Effect, where I talk more about business coaching and being a business owner. So that's also one way to get to know me a little bit more and what I'm all about. Thank you for having me, Gil. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Thank you again for being here, Maggie. And thank you, everyone out there who tuned in today. Please be sure to subscribe so that you can catch future episodes. And in the meantime, be empowered and be you. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>